0: Before we get into the day's message, I believe Jesus was born. He lived, died, and rose again so I could be redeemed from the curse of the law, which consists of spiritual death, sickness, poverty, mental illness, and family disasters. So therefore, I refuse to accept any of these things. And I resist the devil from whom they come with the authority of the name of Jesus and the spoken word of God. And according to Jesus' own words in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, as I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, I will have what I say. Amen. Faith works. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our Father God, this morning we are so thankful for this season. We're so thankful for your presence. We know, Lord, that every day we live is a gift. And every day we live as redeemed believers, we are celebrating the goodness of God. And we're celebrating the birth, life, death and resurrection and ascension and glorification of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Thank you that you've made us a righteous new creature. Thank you that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Thank you that our spirits are regenerated and reborn, and that the witness of the Spirit is within, and you're speaking to our lives and hearts and showing us the way. And as you teach us, as you help us, and as you lead us, We know, Lord, that we will live for you, and one of these days, go to be with you. And we give you praise and thanks for this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 I'd like to start today in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. And I'd like to begin with the fourth verse. That's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, and we're going to read down through verse 7. Those of you that's been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we have been talking about the will of God. We've been talking about God's will for your life individually. I know that we're one of billions on the planet, and it can seem to be uh, daunting. I mean, it makes us feel like maybe we're insignificant, but I can assure you that God knows everything about you. He knows exactly who you are where you are, what you're capable of, and whether you have thought about it or not, the truth is, He has a unique and specific plan for your life. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 4, we have some interesting words. It says, "...for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins." Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, and we understand that speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So the Old Testament way was not going to fix man's root problem, which was spiritual death, Adam's treason when he sold out to the devil plunging us all into a fallen state. The sacrifices of bulls and goats would not fix that problem. And so the answer, of course, as we know, was Jesus. And he says, and I'll reread verse 5, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, This is what Jesus says. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. And he's quoting from Psalm chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. To do thy will, O God. One of the greatest manifestations of the will of God was the birth of Jesus into the earth. The will of God being the decree of God, but also the desire of God. The will of God being the purpose of God, but also that which brings God pleasure. The birth of Jesus was decreed long before he ever came. It was the desire of God in order to redeem us that Jesus would come. It was the purpose of God that he would live and then die as a redeemer. And of course, it brings pleasure to God that Not only that Jesus obeyed him, but that it brought the ability for many of us and all who will to be born into the kingdom of God. We celebrate Christmas aware that the birth of Jesus was essential for God's purpose in our redemption. It couldn't happen any other way. Jesus had to be born a human But yet he had to be virgin born because there could be no taint of Adam's fall in his blood. So, of course, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the virgin's womb. And he also had to live and was sinless. He had to die and be resurrected in order for us to be reborn as righteous new creatures. You see, when you begin to understand who you are in Christ, you will then begin to Know what you can do in Christ, and your life will be different. Jesus had to die. He had to be resurrected in order for us to be reborn as righteous new creatures. And so you see, doing the will of God becomes essential to bring pleasure to God. And that is true of us, just like it was true of Jesus himself. And as we mentioned last week in John eight twenty nine, Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, I do always Those things that please my Father. And that is what the will of God is about. It's about doing the things that please God. And after many years of walking with the Lord, one of the great truths I have learned is that when I bring God pleasure is when I have my greatest pleasure. My greatest fulfillment, my greatest joy, my greatest blessing, my greatest prosperity comes when I bring pleasure to God. And the way to bring pleasure to God is to do what He has willed and decreed what He desires and will take pleasure in for me personally. And so, that's what we're looking at. How to find the will of God. That might seem an odd message for Christmas Eve, but uh, we needed to finish this. We started it four weeks ago. We needed to finish this because... As we close this old year and begin a new year and we end the the, the old in a time of celebration and that's great, but I want to know what I'm supposed to do next year, don't you? I want to know where I'm supposed to be. I want to be in the will of God because I know that's where the greatest blessing of God might be. One of the things about examining and exploring what something is, one of the great helps in many cases for that is to find out what something isn't. Many times, you know, we find out what something is as we eliminate the things that it's not. And I want to just take a little bit of time this morning to talk about ways that God does not lead us. Since we're talking about the leadership of the Lord, we're we're looking at Jesus as being the ultimate of the one who came in the volume of the book to do the will of God. Well, then how do I live that kind of life myself? Well, I've got to know how God doesn't lead me. So that I don't get sidetracked. Now I've been a pastor for decades and I can tell you that a lot of people get sidetracked. Because they really don't understand how God leads. And they're not listening to the right things, not looking in the right places. But on the contrary, they maybe are listening to the wrong things, looking in the wrong places. And they're getting sidetracked and they're getting distracted. And when we get distracted, then we're, we're, uh, we're wasting time. We're losing valuable and precious time in the earth that we could be doing the will of God. We could be progressing. We could be growing, but we're just kind of going around in circles, as we say, not doing his will. So let's find out for just a moment or two, a few minutes together, of some ways that God does not lead us so we can be on guard. Number one, are you ready? God does not lead through circumstances. Now that is a light bulb moment for a lot of people in the church world because a lot of Christians believe that that's one of the ways God leads us. It's through circumstances. But God does not anywhere in his word say that he leads us through circumstances, whether good or bad. See, a lot of people believe if everything's kind of going well, I must be in the will of God. And then a lot of people also believe that if things are not going well, if I'm having struggles, if it's tough, if I'm having opposition, I must be out of the will of God. Well, both of those things are not uh, reliable indicators of the will of God. I mean, think for a minute. If everything had to go well to indicate you're in the will of God, then the Apostle Paul was almost never in the will of God, was he? But we we look back 2,000 years And we see that his voice was probably, next to Jesus himself, the most prominent voice for Christianity in two millenniums. But everything wasn't always easy for him. And also, you have to understand that even if things seem to be going good at the moment, that also doesn't say to us that we must be in the will of God. Because what you have to understand about circumstances, and this is really the main thing about this particular point that you need to understand, is that... Circumstances in the world are subject to some kind of influence and some degree of control of the devil. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the devil is called the God. That's a little g, meaning a lord or ruler of this world. This world system has the hand of the devil in it since the fall. You and I are in the world, but we're not of the world. God's will for us doesn't come based on the circumstances we find ourselves in at this moment, but God's will comes from heaven. Good and perfect gifts come from above, and it's those good and perfect gifts and that will of God that we want in our lives so that no matter what the circumstances, good or bad or indifferent, we can walk in the blessings of God. So we do not look at natural circumstances. Well, you know, if the third car that passes my house is blue, I'll know it's God. I don't even know the devil could try to have a blue car go by your house just to get you completely off track. Well, if so-and-so approves, listen, there is no approval more important than God's. And I can almost guarantee you if you live long enough and you do the will of God, somebody's going to disapprove. And so we we cannot do that. That brings us to the second way that God does not lead us. And that is God doesn't lead us through popular opinion, consensus, or fads. We're not led by people. We're not led by social media. We're not led by influencers, quote unquote. We're not led by people and their opinions and their ideas, what's hot at the moment, what's popular at the moment. That is not how we're led. We are led by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. We're not led by these natural things. And number three, we're also not led by luck or chance. You know, we're not trying to roll snake eyes or whatever it is. We're not, you know, we're not looking for the winning ticket. Scratch it off. No, you may, get, you may get scratched where you don't want to be scratched if, if you're not careful when you leave things to luck and chance. That is a fool's game. Amen. So don't gamble with your future. Don't just say, well, you know, the, I call it the Doris Day doctrine. Some of you aren't old enough to know who I'm talking about. But one of her songs, K. Sarah whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see. K. Sarah Can you believe people actually paid for records of that? They did. And I call it the Doris Day Doctrine, just whatever will be, will be, you know, I'm just gonna take a gamble and I hope it all turns out. Well, for most people, it ain't turning out. Amen. And then number four, this is the last one I wanna cover. The fourth way God does not lead us is by dependency on, quote, spiritual people. Now this hits home for Charismatics and Pentecostals particularly because we believe in supernatural manifestations of the Spirit that include gifts of revelation, which are uh, the gifts of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. We believe that God can and does supernaturally reveal things, and we believe in these uh, manifestations of the Spirit that are called diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, and those are supernatural utterances, prophecy in a known language, tongues in a language given by the Holy Spirit that's unknown to the speaker, not unknown to God. But if it's given publicly, it needs to be interpreted. And so therefore God can bring a message through those utterance gifts many times which carry with it revelation. So sometimes more than one gift is operating at a time. But So we believe in that. We believe in it. But nowhere does the Bible say, That we are led when it comes to the will of God for your life individually and particularly. Nowhere does it say that you have to do what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so thinks or says you should do. And also understand this. Not everybody who says thus saith the Lord is legitimate. And not everybody who says thus saith the Lord is accurate. Some are totally illegitimate and charlatans. Others are honest, but they're just honestly wrong. So, what do we do with words, we call them, or supernatural utterances of the Holy Spirit? And as I said, we believe in them. In the first of October of this year, the Lord spoke to us about 2024 being a year of visitation. And we believe that, we believe it's a word from the Lord. And so next week, particularly on New Year's Eve Sunday, we're going to be talking about preparing for visitation. So you don't want to miss next week. But we, we believe it's from the Lord. And, uh, and we, we act upon it. But what if we would have heard some kind of a crazy word that would have been contradictory to what we know is right? What if it had contradicted the Bible? What if it would uh, contradict... What we have as a witness in our own heart that God is, (coughs) excuse me, that God is already saying to us. Well, if it's not witnessing with the word, we throw it away. If there's no witness in our own spirit, then we put it on the shelf and prove it. We don't just act on anything and everything that people say. But again, as I say, we believe. That when it's legitimate and when it's real, that we can, we can have great blessing through God revealing things to us. You know, in the beginning of this year, the Lord spoke a word to us about 2023 being a year of breakthroughs and blessings. And I, I'm telling you, this, there are some of the most tremendous testimonies of breakthroughs and blessings this year that we've ever had in any year that we've ever been in ministry. It is amazing. What the Lord has done in your lives and in our lives. All of us as a church family. It's wonderful. So we believe in supernatural utterances and revelation gifts. But we are not led by, quote, spiritual people. Because sometimes people can miss it. Amen? All right. How does God lead us? That's really what we want to get to. How does God lead us? Well, number one, God is a spirit. And He leads us spiritually. That's His nature. That's who He is. God is not a human. He is not a man. Uh, he's, He's not a natural being. He is a supernatural being. He is a spiritual being. And so being a spirit, He's going to lead us spiritually. And the two primary ways. Everybody say two ways. These are two primary ways that God is going to lead us. Number one is through the written word which Jesus himself said in John 6.63 that the words I speak are spirit and they are life. So it would make perfect sense for God's word to be supernatural and for him to use it to speak to us and to lead us. And of course, you have his word if you have a Bible. So the first way that God leads us is through the written word, the living spiritual word of God. And the second way is when the Holy Spirit bears witness with our own spiritual nature, or as it's called, the inner man. That's the two primary ways that God leads us. And and that witness of the Spirit is Romans 8, 14. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, you might say, well, you know, that sounds all very spiritual, and that sounds, you know, all very churchish, churchy, you know, and... And, uh, but, you know, I'm not so much interested in a lot of those kind of things. Well, if you're not interested in this, you're not really interested in your future. Because if you miss the will of God, you're going to miss the best of God. It's really that simple. If you miss the will of God, the purpose of God for your life, you're going to miss a good part of what God has for you. And I can tell you, you will certainly miss the best part of your life so we we can't afford to miss this even if it sounds cumbersome to us even if it sounds odd to us even if we're not used to hearing these kind of phrases we need to familiarize ourselves with these principles because you need to be in the will of God because as we've already taught and we can't go back and redo all of that I encourage you to listen to it it'll bless you but that's where the good stuff is that's where the blessings are that's where the best that God has for you lies, is in His will and in His purpose. So let's look at these two things this morning, taking just a little bit of time with each one of them. You could spend much, much time on both, but uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, take not quite so much time, hopefully, and get some things over to you that will help you, especially as you're seeking God. And I hope you are as we end the old year, begin the new year. I hope you're in the presence of the Lord, some extra time in his presence, especially with time off work and, and all of the things that we do in this season. I hope that you're spending some time before God and let him speak to you. And if you need to make adjustments, just make them. If you need to redo your plans, redo your plans And if you don't know where to move and what to do and where to go at this moment, then just sit tight and seek God until you do know. Don't try luck and chance. Don't guess. Don't just go ask somebody else what they think you ought to do. Don't look at your circumstances to try to decide it. Don't look at popular opinion to see what everybody else is doing. But look to God and let him lead your life. Amen? So let's look at the first one, the written word of God. How does God lead us through the word? Well, he leads us through what he has already said. God spoke his word. This word was God breathed to the writers of old, and it was inspired, as we know, God spoke this word so that it could be written, recorded, kept, and it was written down and kept that it could be disseminated, that it could be passed on from generation to generation. It was spoken so it could be written. It was written so that each succeeding generation, that includes you and me, could speak this word. I can speak words that Elijah was able to speak. I can quote promises that Moses quoted. I can speak things that the Apostle Paul spoke. Because it was written down. It was originally God-breathed. And because it is a living book, as we pointed out in John six sixty three, Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Because it's a living book, that means every time I open it and speak it, it's as if it's the first time. God doesn't hear my voice from heaven to earth. He doesn't hear my voice as I speak his word and say, I haven't heard that in a while. He never answers me with, are you sure that's in there? No, if I'm speaking his word, it's just as if he just spoke it. He uses your mouth to speak his word. That's the way he's always done things. The coming of Jesus that we celebrate in this season came through the word spoken All the way back in the third chapter of Genesis after the fall of man, the first prophecy of Jesus Christ, the first prophecy of the Messiah, came when God himself spoke it. It was reiterated and it was brought to fulfillment all through the generations until finally it was consummated in the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And as far as God is concerned... That just happened because in the realm of the Spirit, there's no such thing as time. So God's Word is always a right now Word. It's never an old Word. It's never a leftover Word. It's never something that was said yesterday. It's always something that's being said right now. That's why your faith is always now. It's not a leftover. It's it's not something that's going to happen. It's always right now. That's the Word of God. It is a living Word. Thing and God hearkens to the voice of His Word. Uh, I mean, he, he responds, He moves, even angels hearken to the voice of the Word of God. And so, it's important that we look into the Word of God daily, that we are constantly feeding on the Word of God. Now, you're not going to understand everything you read the first time you read it, it will take time to put together context and do the things necessary with the Word in order to fully get the benefits of it. But even if you don't understand it all, even if you read things that at the moment you can't seem to get your mind around, you need to understand it is still a living Word. It's still getting into you, and if you'll stay with it, it's going to be revealed. I think about my own life. My parents got saved when I had just turned five years old in September. They were born again in November of that same year, 1962. So, I'm um, yes, I'm kind of old. But anyway, um, and for all these years, I have been listening to preachers preach and teachers teach and people read scriptures and sing songs and worship God. And um, in those beginning days, those early days when I was just five years old, preachers would preach. And, you know, those days, uh, we, they didn't have... I mean, the churches that I grew up in, they didn't even have nurseries. Uh, you know, they had Sunday school classes on Sunday. But other than that, if, if a family went to church, you, you the whole family went to church. And so I received some pinching and <laughs> spanking. And sometimes I'd go to sleep on my mother's lap in a midweek service, you know, the, the, the prayer meeting, we called it. I don't know why they called it prayer meeting. They did very little praying. Mostly talking. But anyway, I I have I've went to sleep on people while they taught and all that and uh, preached, but I didn't understand it all. I didn't know everything they were saying. They would quote words and, and you know, uh, to be fair, sometimes things would be misquoted and words would be mispronounced. You know, we, we, we weren't you know, we weren't all intellectuals, that's for sure. But uh, the point is, that living word began to work in me. And over the years, different pieces began to be put together. And I would come back over scriptures and come back over those stories. And you would begin to hear other people preach and teach. and, And it would begin to fall in line. And so I'm telling you, don't give up on your Bible. And here's something you also, that'll help you a lot as you read the Bible and study it, is take the word literally. Unless a type or a metaphor is the only reasonable conclusion, take the word literally. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm just saying when he says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, take that literally. That's what that means. When it says Jesus is the Lamb of God, you understand that doesn't mean Jesus had four legs and wool all over him. So we understand some things are types, some things are metaphors, some things are are literal and we need to know how to take those things. Don't spiritualize the literal and don't dismiss the spiritual because it's supernatural and requires our faith. Don't spiritualize the literal and don't dismiss the spiritual because it takes faith to operate in churches that I grew up in, they spiritualized a lot of things. Uh, In the Gospels particularly, a lot of preaching in the Gospels, and that's wonderful, but almost all the Gospel stories where people were healed or raised from the dead, almost all of those they spiritualized to, to make sickness and death as a type of sin, and that when we were born again, we were healed and made whole and we're on our way to heaven, well, you know, thank God when we're born again, we are made whole. And thank God when we're born again, we're made a new creature, actually. But the fact is, those people that Jesus healed, they really were sick, and then they really were healed. Amen. And the same Jesus that did that said, in my name, cast out devils. In my name, lay hands on the sick. So you see, we we need to be so familiar and, uh, with our with our Bible that we learn... To trust God for the supernatural. I'm here today to tell you that God wants to do supernatural things in your life. You don't have to spiritualize everything. You don't have to wait until the one day after a while and the sweet by and by. God wants to bless you now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there are five things to do with your Bible. We've said this many times. Going to say it again today. You need to read your Bible every day. Whether you understand it all or not. Uh, You're going to stay with this forever, so you'll you'll get it. Just hang on. But read it every day. Number two, meditate the word every day. Meditate means to ponder, to mutter. It means to think deeply. It is putting yourself in the Scripture, and as you do so, you put the Scripture into you. Meditation is a key to understanding the Bible, and meditation is a key to open yourself up for what Paul called in uh, Ephesians 1, revelation knowledge. And all faith begins with revelation knowledge, because faith begins where the will of God is known. So meditation is a key to revelation knowledge. And the third thing you want to do with your Bible is you want to study it. Study it. Uh, make it your, your policy that you do some study. I'm not saying that you have to live with an open concordance. I'm not saying that you have to uh, take every word of the Bible and look at all of the different translations and all the different definitions of the word. <coughs> But I am saying you need to study and understand the great truths of the Bible, the great doctrines of the Bible. You need to understand the timeline of the Bible. Amen. So that means you do need to read the Old Testament. You do need to understand the patriarchs. You need to understand Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I know this sounds so elementary, but... but it's amazing to me that if you pay attention to the Christian world today, how many people go to church, quote-unquote, but they don't ever really know much about their Bible. And even churches, they're not saying much about the Word. Pastors are being told, don't use many scriptures. Don't use whole verses if you can get away with it. You know, in other words, because people get bored, and, and you say, well, yeah, that's true, because I am right now. Uh, but, but the point is... The point is... Your mind isn't the boss, is it? Your spirit man's getting fed. There are a number of times my mind has gotten bored and wondered, but my spirit was getting food, like I talked about earlier, even as a kid. And so we just have to corral our mind. We have to bring it around. Amen. And it's like the weather. Things will change. If you don't like this subject, there'll be another subject in a few weeks. I promise. it, It won't always be the same thing. But um, you need to study the word and then you need to confess the word. Number four, speak it out loud. Your voice is your spiritual address. I can't confess the Bible for you. You have to confess it for yourself. And then, number five, do the word of God. Just do what it says. Now, once we know what the Bible says, we don't need to pray about doing it. That's important to understand. You know, people actually sometimes make the prayer request of people, pray for me that I'll do, and then when they say what they're wanting to do, it's something that the Bible commands. That is a total waste of your time. And it's a total waste of whoever's time you would ask to pray. You don't need to pray about doing what the Bible says do. You just do it. Amen? You just do it. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to want to from the mental standpoint of, you know, thinking, oh, goody, I get to do this. No, you just do it. You will to do it. Some of you are going to will to get up Tuesday morning and go to work. And you'd rather not. You're, you know, you're going to will to you know, wash the towels. You're going to will to mop the floor. You're going to, mill to will to clean the toilets. You know, you're going to will to cut the grass in the springtime. Whatever. There are just some things you choose to do. There are times, not all the time, but there are times when you just have to will to do what the Bible says. And if you want to know the truth, that's the difference between the people who are greatly blessed and those who are minimally blessed. You look at people who just seem to be so blessed, you just wonder... How in the world are they in such a place? How did they get there? And you may even consider that you're smarter than they are. You may consider yourself better looking than they are. You may think that you, you know, should be in a better place than they are. All of that means nothing because the fact is it's all based on what they did. Now I know we're saved by grace. But if you want to walk in the blessing of fullness, you're going to have to do something. I know people do not like to hear that. I know that that messes up some people's modern theology of grace. But the fact is, it's the doer of the word according to James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. It's the doer of the word that's blessed in his deed. It's the doer of the word. So just do it. Amen? Now let me say one other thing about our Bible before we move on. God has set ministry gifts in the church in order to preach and teach the word to us. And so obviously he understood that some of this understanding that we need, we need help with. And so we need gifts that he has set in the church. And he he has set apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church. And they uh, have a job to minister the word. And that primarily comes through teaching and through preaching um, one or the other or both of the word of God to us. And so we need to uh, receive what God's gifts bring to us. We need to receive those gifts as gifts from God. I know it's just people. It's just a man or a woman. And I know that you could dig into their personality. And you could dig into their personal life. And you could find faults. And you could find mistakes. And you could find places where they have missed it. And they may not be right in everything. I haven't met anybody yet that was right in everything. I'm certainly not. But I can tell you this, that if God anoints someone to speak into your life, you need to listen. And you need to listen, and then here's the safeguard. Here's the safety. You need to hear or listen, but then you need to open your own Bible and prove what they say. You don't take what I say because I say it. You don't take it because perhaps you like me or you think I'm a good guy. That's not enough. That's not good enough. If you can't find what I'm saying to you in your Bible, then forget it. If it's not in the Word, you're not obligated for it. We need to hear the Word. We need to prove the Word. And then again, once we're convinced, we need to do it. That's why it's dangerous to come to church like this. You know what I mean? I'm I'm being a little facetious. but, But you hear things that you're responsible for. And there are a lot of people who don't want to be responsible for doing the Word. They would rather live in ignorance, but the problem with ignorance is it ain't fun. The old saying, ignorance is bliss. I don't know who came up with that. It's not true. What you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know will cause suffering. Amen. All right, let's get into the second way, and we're going to close today and let you go eat your lunch and all the stuff you have planned for the day, and uh, we're mindful of your time, but I do have a few things I want to share with you that I think will help you. Because the second way that God leads us is through the inner man, through our spirit. We are spirit beings. God is a spirit, John 4, 24. And so he leads us through spiritual means. The first means is his word, his written word, which is spirit and life. And the second is this inward witness where the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. We're a three-part being. We're spirit. We possess a soul, which is our mind and will, intellect, our emotions, and where the seat of our will is, where we make decisions, I will or I won't. That's the soul. And then, of course, we all know what the body is. It's the house we're living in. So when God leads us, he doesn't lead us through our flesh or our body. We don't go by feelings, goosebumps, hot flashes, cool chills, nothing like that. That's not how he leads us. And we we aren't led by emotion, highs or lows. Well, I just feel this. You know, the only man in the Bible recorded that he went by his feelings was deceived. Did you know that? The only man in the Bible that it just is clear that he was led by his feelings was a man named Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of Jacob and Esau. He said, it feels like Esau. Guess what? It wasn't Esau. It was Jacob. And I can promise you that if you try to be led by the Lord by your feelings, by your emotions, you will be like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You will be coming one direction one day and a completely different direction the next day. You'll be up and down and everywhere in between. We're not led by emotion. We're not led by our soul. And that includes intellect. You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, you know, I just, I just have a, I just believe in common sense." Well, I do too. I believe in common sense. If I'm on a busy street and uh, there, am I, and I'm at an intersection and traffic is going all these different ways, <clears throat> I believe in common sense. I want to watch and not step out in front of the truck that's barreling down the street. I believe in common sense. If, if somehow or another, I. I bought some bacon and I bought it a long time ago and I opened it up and and then I go and one day I decide I want some bacon with my eggs and I open it up and it's this strange color and it's kind of green looking and smells funny. I've got common sense. I'm not eating that bacon. (laughs) So there is a place for that kind of, of sense. But the problem with common sense is it's just all too common. We're talking about being led by the Lord. We're talking about your future. We're talking about ending up hearing Jesus say, well, hearing the Father say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, he can't lie, don't you? He can't say well done if you haven't done well. And so we're, we're talking about our life. What kind of life we're going to have. So I can't, I can't leave it up to my emotions and I can't leave it up to my intellect. My, my thinking is just too limited. There's just too much I don't know. And that's true no matter how much education you have. And that's true no matter how many books you've read. And that's true no matter how many smart people you hang out with. There are just things your mind's not going to get. Only your spirit will. So it's on that level, the spiritual level that God leads. That's where Romans 4 I'm sorry, Romans 8, 14 happens. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Not our head, not our emotions, not our feelings, not our body, but our spirit. This is a knowing. I'm trying to define it in the best words I can use. I'm all open for better ones. But spiritual things many times are hard to explain in natural terms. But... We're talking about a knowing or a perceiving that's on a spiritual level. A knowing or perceiving that's on a spiritual level. And so there are times when you will know things in your heart that your head doesn't yet know and can't figure out. And many of you have been there. You've dealt with people or you've dealt with a person or a situation, a circumstance, And your head was telling you what, you know, was going on in the natural. You saw, you heard, you had a certain feeling about it. But yet deep inside of you, there was this check. Something's not right. I just get, sometimes we say, I just get a feeling. Sometimes people use the term funny feeling or bad feeling or whatever. When that happens deep within, that's your spirit trying to warn you. That's red lights going off. That's sirens going off. The Lord trying to get your attention. Because not everything, as they say, that glitters is gold. And not everything that smiles has your best interest at heart. And not everything that's hot is worth pursuing. That's a word for the singles. (laughs) You may... Get what you want, but you sure may not want what you get. That's what happens when people aren't led by the Spirit, they're led by their flesh. Now, the voice of, of your spirit we call conscience. Everybody's heard the word conscience, and you probably all of you have an idea at least of what that is. But in the real sense of the word, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Feelings has to do with your emotions. Uh, Hunger, desire has to do with the flesh. We all know about those things but it's your conscience that's the voice of your spirit. Now a lot of people over the years uh, I've noticed and I've been there myself in my lifetime I'm sure that we're in a place where we think that perhaps the Lord's leading us. He's speaking to us. He's trying to get something over to us, or he's trying to take us in a certain way. Of course, we're trying to be sure we don't want to miss God. We want his best, all of that, and that's good. And so the thing that happens is people say, well, I don't know if it's God or if it's just me. I don't know if it's God or if it's me. So what is it, Pastor? The answer is yes. No, no, I said, I don't know if it's God or me. Which is it? Yes. Because if you're born again, and you're in tune with God, your conscience becomes the voice of your spirit through which the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Many times when, as we say, the Lord tells us something, it sounds a whole lot like me. But I've learned to differentiate between my head talking and my spirit talking. And so therefore, when I know it's my spirit, I know my conscience is bearing witness. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. My conscience bears witness back to my mind and my thinking. And I know this is the will of God. I have not met anybody yet that can say after a long time of living on the earth that they have perfected this. But I have known many people, and probably you do as well, who will testify to the fact that every time they followed the inward witness, every time they followed the voice of their spirit, their conscience, and did what they knew to be God speaking to them, or believed to be God speaking to them, every time they did it, they were glad they did Now you see, a lot of people do not cultivate this. A lot of people just hear a message like this and they go home and forget it. Then the next time they need an answer, they're wondering why I don't have one. You have to cultivate a listening ear. You have to develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And um, can I I just tell you that, that you need to start in small things. The next time you have this... Uh, inward uh, thought, this inward uh, leading, call so-and-so, or even text so-and-so, give them a word of encouragement, speak to them, say this to them, then just do that. Let's just say, what if you missed it, and you you were giving them a word of encouragement, or you were You were speaking something good into their life. Let's say this what if the Lord didn't make you do it, but you just did it anyway? Is that going to hurt anybody? No, we're not talking about telling them, Thus saith the Lord, you know, go to uh, Kansas City and stay there for three months and buy and sell and get gain, and then go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma and stay for two years and buy and sell and get gain, and from there go to Montana and from there to California and then back to uh, Arizona. I don't know why, but go back to Arizona and then come back. No, it's not like that. And can I tell you another one? And, and, and some of you, it's okay to hear this, and some of you might have a little scratching on the inside, but you'll get over it. Uh, one of the ways to really practice this is in giving. Giving. Amen. And, and, and it's one of the best ways I know of to develop your faith and to develop your ability to hear from God. There have been times when I have given and I wasn't 100% sure that I just had to do it, but I sensed this leading. And and, and one of the ways I I really realized this must be God is because it wasn't in my head. You know, how many of you know that many times in giving, that's not in your head at all, because you already have other plans, you've got other things you want to do. And so I've learned, though, that if I'll act on that, it's amazing. It is amazing. How that God brings returns back into our lives as we obey Him with our giving. So you can start in those areas. Start in the little things. Because I'm going to tell you something. And this is, may sound very dramatic, but it's, it, it needs to be said. It's the truth. If you go to the doctor and they say it's cancer. And you've neglected your spiritual life for the last 20, 40, 60 years. And now all of a sudden you want to become this spiritual giant that overcomes this demon of death that's after you? I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm saying you would have been a whole lot better off if you'd have went into that situation with a consciousness of exactly what God wanted you to do. It is so important that we build our faith and we build our knowledge of the Word and we develop our spirit before we get into the crisis. And that way when the crisis comes... You're not all to pieces. You know, you know people like that. If, if some bad news comes, they just go all to pieces. Then you probably know a few people that no matter what happens, they're there. Even keel. It's not that they don't care, it's that they're living out of their spirit more than they're living out of their emotions and their head. So I want to close today. Guys, you have them come on if you'd like to. Uh, develop sensitivity to spiritual things. Learn the way of the Spirit. And our kids are going to do their thing, so (coughs) whatever that does, here's your signal. Go get them. Amen. But listen, if you're not having to go get them, you listen carefully to what I'm going to say. This is very important. Learn the way of the Spirit. And one of the great ways and one of the great keys to this is to seek peace. Let peace be the umpire. In your decisions, First Peter three eleven says, "Seek peace and ensue," or that word means pursue it. Avoid frantic uh, situations where there's no peace. Uh, we we want to help everybody, we want to love everybody, but you probably don't need to spend an inordinate amount of time hanging out with drama queens and kings. Amen. You need peace in your life. You need peace in your home. You need peace in your spirit because peace is the umpire. Don't violate that peace on the inside. If you're getting ready to take a trip, if you're getting ready to make a major purchase, if you're getting ready uh, to step up and go to another level in your involvement with some person, if you don't have peace about it, you better stay away. You better change your plans. Because that's one of the ways that God leads us. Let peace be the umpire in all your decisions. So how do we how do we develop this kind of sensitivity? And what's one of what's some of the great keys? Well, number one, we've already covered this, get in the word regularly. And number two, pray much in other tongues. It's one of the great benefits of the spirit-filled life is to be able to communicate. As the Holy Spirit gives us utterance in tongues. And when you do this enough, you will over time become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you'll recognize the things that are from God and you will know immediately, really, when things are not from God and you'll learn what to stay away from. And if we consistently practice these two spiritual activities, we'll know His will and we'll be ready for any further leadings He might want to do. There are some spectacular ways that God leads, the appearance of angels those kinds of things, um, we can't make those happen. But if you're spiritually sensitive and you need that, you, you'll be ready for it. And you won't be deceived and you won't get crazy and you won't get goofy. You'll, you'll be solid and God can lead you. Amen? Amen? So as we go into the end of the year and the beginning of a new year, I want to encourage you to take stock of where you are and take stock of what you believe is the will of God for your life let me ask you a few questions are you where God wants you to be are you living where God wants you to live and the location, the geography are you in the right part of the country are you in the right church are you listening to the right voices speak for God into your life are you working at the right place are you pursuing the right things educationally are you pursuing the right things in your career are you in the will of God? If, if whether you're married or single, in your relationships with people, are you pursuing godly relationships? There, there's a godly way to be married and there's a godly way to be single. And there is a godly choice for a spouse if you want one and don't have one right now. All these things are in the will of God. And I only hope that it's so quiet in here because you're either... Well, I hope you're listening. I hope you're just not asleep. This is really important stuff. It's so important. God loves you so much. He does not want your life to be a mess. He does not want your life to be one uh, disaster after the other. God doesn't want you to live your life cleaning up messes. God wants to bless you with great abundance. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we've come to you today with thanksgiving and we approach your word so that it may teach us and guide us. I ask you, Lord, that if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice that's not right with you, maybe they've never received Jesus or maybe they're what we call a backslider. They've known the Lord, but they've walked away and just neglected the things of God. I pray, Lord, that in any case they would ask you now to forgive their sins. Believing with faith in our hearts that Jesus was born, he lived, he died in our place as our substitute and rose again from the dead to give to us that same life and to infill us and indwell us by that same spirit that raised him from the dead. That we can now by faith confess, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior in the name of Jesus. Head still bowed eyes closed. I just say this, if, if that's you in the building and you prayed that prayer, then I'd love to see you after this service for a brief minute. We'd like to minister further to you. We have some materials we'd like to give to you. We'd like to help you in a new start in the things of God. It's the best Christmas gift you'll ever get. Ed, if you're in a situation uh, that you're not here, maybe you're watching online and you pray that prayer, please contact us. We'd like to minister to you further. For just one more moment with heads bowed, eyes closed, you're a believer. You're right with God. If Jesus came back in the next three seconds, you're going to heaven. You know that, and that's settled. And I'm very grateful if that's the case for you. But what if he doesn't come in three seconds? What if he doesn't come for 30 years? What if he doesn't come in your lifetime? And you physically die, and you go to be with the Lord that way. How are you going to meet him? Do you expect to hear him say, well done? Do you know that you're in the will of God? Do you know you're where you're supposed to be? I cannot answer that question for you. And I can't force you to get that right. I can only present truth to you. You have to choose how you act on it. But if you want 2024 to be better than 2023... I'll go so far to say as, as to say, if you want 2024 to be the very best year of your life, then it is absolutely essential that you are in the will of God. Will he love you if you're not in his will? Sure he does. Just like every parent here has always loved their children, whether or not they did what they wanted them to do. But as every godly parent And good parent knows there are certain rewards that only come to those who are obedient and those who are drawing near. So I encourage you to be obedient and draw near today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Now, we are going to uh, have a little presentation from the kids. We're, We're ready.